John chapter 13. Isn't love awesome? It's good to sing that song. I'm telling you, for me, you know, I grew up with that song spiritually. It, after a while, it began to wear on me. But we don't sing it enough, so it was nice to sing it again. It made me feel younger. Uh, that feeling of love is important. It's actually what drives most people. When you look at your kids, and if you're having a hard time with your kids, guess what's driving your child sometimes? This need for love. When you look at yourself and, and you look at the times that maybe were the worst times in your life, you might have felt very lonely and disconnected. When you look at things that you go, man, what do I want? How do I want my life to be? Don't you kind of think of that sitcom Friends? <laughs> right? Sometimes I look at that and I go, wow, because friends, the friends are my age. <laughs> Just so you know. They're like these people that I identify with, right? So, like Tom Cruise, not that I go, oh, I'm Tom Cruise, but he always played people my age growing up, and then he got weird and then tried to pay people younger than I am. But, now, but when he was younger, so like when I was going to law school, he was in this movie about The Firm, I believe. You know, and when, when I was in high school, he was, doing, he was in risky business and all the right moves, right? So I said, oh, you know, so Tom Cruise. But when I, was, when I was a single adult, hey, friends, right? When I was younger, it was Cheers, where everyone knew your name, right? How I Met Your Mother. You know, sometimes we just want that. I think um, the, the millennials, they're watching this sitcom called New Girl. But it's this notion of, man, being with friends, and I have my gang. A lot, a lot of us made decisions we regretted because all we wanted was what? Love. Just because we wanted love. John 13, 34. God knows this. God feels this. God created us for this need. In John 13, verse 34 it says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Here's just a simple thought. Disciples love each other. Amen. That's it. Disciples just love each other. If you want to know what kind of church we're supposed to be, if you're visiting with us, I want to tell you what we're going to be and what we're striving to be is a church of people who love each other. Amen. And in line one, I just want us to understand. Line one, it says, our love for each other is the clear sign. This clear sign of being true disciples of Jesus. There are many churches out there. You can choose any church, many churches. You can say, hey, where should I go? Where can I go to worship God? But I'll tell you, we've done this before. I've said it before. You can sing anywhere. You could read your Bible at home. There are a lot of things you can do and worship God in your individual way. But what we believe as a church, how we truly worship God is how we love each other. You can tell what is the right church. You can tell who are real Christians by their love for each other. It says this, as I have loved you, line two, as I have loved you. You see, it's interesting though. Here's the thing. Jesus says, I'm going to set you an example. I'm going to show you how to love. 
Here's the thing. We learn love. Did you know that? We learn love. That's the line too. We learn love. Did you, know, you, you don't love naturally. Now, there are some ways you do. Look at your kids. I have two kids. One, ever since she was little, didn't quite like me. She could tell from a very early age, like her first words were, Daddy, you smell bad. You know, like she didn't like love me. When I held her, you know, she didn't, when she was crying, I'd hold her. She wouldn't stop. When she was two, I, you know, we didn't have, we go, oh, snap, we forgot, like, to make Christmas that special. So what I did was we, we ran out of the house rummaging through. I found, like, a, a, a big red sweatshirt and put it on, stuffed it, and we made a, a beard out of cotton, right, just so I could look like Santa some way, shape, or form. I ran around the back of the house, knocked on the door, ho, ho, ho. She looked at me. She was two. She said, Daddy, no. <laughs> This is my daughter, my first child, the one who's supposed to love me unconditionally. You know, when I took her, when she was born, I got to walk her uh, to, because she was premature, we had to walk her to her isolate. She put her arms out to me, you know, and she was blind. You know, kids don't see. She couldn't really tell, but to me it was a sign. But then all the months and years after that, it's like, what happened? What happened to those two arms staring at me? <laughs> my son, Mr. Cuddles. He's 11, tall. He's tall for his age. He just jumps on you. Oh, I love you. I love you. I love you. But my daughter now, she and I are super close. It took work. But it's funny. There are some ways, as kids, they're very loving. There are some ways where they're not. And that's the thing for us. There are some ways that we're loving, but there are some ways we need to learn. We need to go to school. We need some teaching. There are some ways you naturally love. Some of you are natural servers. You just do think kind things for people. Other of you, you're great listeners. Other of you, you're great encouragers. But there are some ways you're not that good. The encouragers may not be great servers. The listeners may not be great encouragers. And so God just says, hey, one another, you know, as I have loved you, we must learn love. Line three, it says, love one another. You see, Jesus said this is a new command. And, and it just dawned on me recently. I've been a disciple for decades now. It just dawned on me. What made that command new? You see, Jesus said earlier, the, the Bible for a long, long time had said, even prior to this, it says, love your neighbor as yourself, right? Jesus said, this is the new command, love one another. Line three, here's the thing, we must collaborate. Another way, you know, word, what does collaborate mean? It, it's the new term of art, just so you know. It's, it's like the big, like, corporate word now, Collaboration. Go to any of these workshops and whatever, you know, the, the, the MBA of the moment will tell you, we're learning to collaborate in this company. But it means what Jesus is saying, one another. We have to work together. One another relationships are what Jesus commanded. Is that clear? Amen. See, that's different, one another. You see, he didn't just say, love others as I have loved you. He could have said that. What made the command new was we love one another. 
We have a give and take relationship. You see, we've got to understand, Christ-like love doesn't happen naturally. Collaborating doesn't happen naturally. It really doesn't. It's easier to live in hierarchy. Did you know that? It's easier for one person to tell another person what to do because it's very, very clear. Have you ever been with people? Have you ever had a coworker that when you tell them something, they like blow you off? <laughs> that they act one way when the boss is not there? Yeah. See, when I, when I, I, I used to do Taekwondo when I was younger, right? And um, I don't know why, but my mom taught me, always work hard, always work hard. You know, when I would do sports, like I, I used to wrestle and, and I'd, I'd get whooped, I'd get beat. I was a horrible wrestler, but I used to do it. She would ask me, did you try? And you know, my, in my pride, I lost. So I want to say, no, I didn't try, right? So, you know, I, it would make me feel better, right? Because I lost. Because you want to say you didn't try because that's why you lost. Because if you said you tried and you lost, it doesn't feel right, right? Because that makes you a loser, not that you just lost. <laughs> so I tell my mom, no, I didn't really try. She goes, how dare you? You always give your best. I don't care if you win or lose, you always give your best. So then I was taking Taekwondo, and so I'd always try, no matter what, whether instructor wasn't doing it right. Then there was the guy, Kevin, who used to pick on me all the time. And Taekwondo. And whenever the, the master wasn't looking, he was just not trying. He just wasn't really trying. Have you ever had someone like that at your job? As soon as the boss looking, ooh. Ooh, ooh, ha, ha. Boss looks away. Because it's easier to live in hierarchy. But to collaborate, that takes real humility, doesn't it? And so, in line four, we in our church, disciples collaborate in what we call faith partnerships. Faith partnerships. But I'm telling you, collaboration does not happen easily or naturally. Amen. How do I know? Because many times in this fellowship, we said, hey, we're in faith partnerships. And you go, okay, we're partners, and we don't spend time with each other. Because when someone's over you, you know what? That gives you a rung to climb. In your mind, if someone's over you, that gives you a resource to take from. But if someone's your partner, you don't naturally just go, hey, let's partner out, dude. It doesn't happen. And so in line five, disciplers train disciples to build collaborative faith, faith partnerships. I just want to educate our congregation, but this is when you're even studying the Bible with people because we're covering faith principles. You need to teach people. Our goal is to be able to work together because the new command is love one another. But it doesn't happen easily. Jesus says, as I have loved you, I'm training you, I'm discipling you, I'm teaching you how to love one another. And that's why we have these things called disciplers. Disciples are help, to help you learn how to love one another. Does that sound good? The question is, do you have one? And we'll be talking about that soon. The question is, do you have one? First off, do you know how to collaborate? 
Many of us are like, I don't know how to collaborate spiritually. I don't know how to sit down with someone spiritually and say, hey, let's, let's do something powerful together for the Lord. And if you don't, then you got to go, hey, maybe I need someone to help me out. Maybe I need a relationship broker. You know? Like the millionaire matchmaker for Christianity. Have you ever watched that show, Millionaire Matchmaker, Patty Stanger? How many of you have seen it? Okay, you've just confessed. Your discipler will be talking to you with your faith partner. No, I'm just joking. I watched that show. Sorry. Because she's brutal. It's fun as she takes these millionaires and says, you know what's wrong with you? You're all about you. And all this, and she does all this with her hand. She just, she just like lays in them because she's teaching people how to be married. So I want us to understand, this is what we build our church on. Disciples, they train disciples to build collaborative faith partnerships. Let's go to, verse, let's go to chapter 14, though. Let's take a look at what came, came, uh, came after this passage, chapter 14. Because I want you to understand, love is serious business to Jesus. In chapter 14, verse 15. Chapter 14, verse 15. It says, if you love me, keep my commands. If you love me. Keep my commands. That's what it says. You know, a lot of times, depending on your background, if you come from what we have called a belief-based background, you kind of ignore this passage altogether. You whistle, walk away from it, don't even show it to people. You go, oh, John 3.16. You kind of just blow it off. But then if you come from more of a condemning, controlling background, it's more, hey, prove your love. You've got to prove your love. Right? You know that song. If you're my age. We let the teens go out. So I can refer to all my 80s music. But it's interesting because if you love me, you know, like Jesus saying, if you love me, it's like a bad marriage. If you love me, you would have remembered my birthday. If you love me, you would have done this. And you get this kind of, is, is God like a naggy spouse? No, if you love me, remember, we covered love involves admiring and aspiring to be like Jesus. If you really respected me and you saw me, if you see me as how awesome I really am, if you, line six, aspire to be like Jesus, you will keep his commands. That's it. If you really understand who Jesus is, if it's, it's really just clear to you how awesome and amazing Jesus is, what he has to offer every person, not just in this room, but all over the world, you'll keep his commands. You go, man, this is the key. This is the answer. This is the amazing. This is the wow. Let's go on in verse 16. It says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to, to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you will know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. You know, this is an interesting thing. This is a side point, but it's right there in the scriptures. There's a progression. He says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. Then the Holy Spirit will come. See, there are many people who will teach you. You know what? The Holy Spirit comes when you pray. The Holy Spirit comes when, you know, maybe just on you like a trance. 
The Holy Spirit will come when you just accept Jesus into your life. But no, you know what the Bible actually says? Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. Then I will send you the Spirit. And you go, well, what kind of spirit is that? He's saying, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit is now with you. Did you know the Holy Spirit can be with you, but not in you? Amen. When you are working with people spiritually, and there are people who come from various religious backgrounds, and they've had a Holy Spirit experience. And some of us, we might be in this validate, invalidating mentality. No, 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 let, me, let me find out how, how you know, you just want to jump in there and tell them how wrong it is and the Holy Spirit really wasn't with them and they were totally deceived by Satan. Some of us, we really want to just jump in there and do that. But actually, you know what? The Holy Spirit could be with you. He really could have been working on you. He really could have been speaking to you, touching you, moving you, protecting you, guiding you through a moment so that he could then be in you. It's very important for us to understand that when we're helping people. Let's go on. Let's go on verse 23. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. Oh, nope, wrong verse. That's chapter 15. We're going to read that too, actually. It's a tough study. Sure is. Verse 23. Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my command, my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You know, this gives us a picture of the Holy Spirit. Once again, loving Jesus means obeying him. But one of the roles of the Holy Spirit, just so that you can help people be educated so we could be educated, is not to kind of fill you with emotions, but it's really to teach and remind you about God's commands. In John 16, we'll study at the very end of our series. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of guilt. Did you know the Holy Spirit will always lead you in the direction of Jesus' teachings? But Jesus gives us this great perspective. He says, I give to you, not in the way that the world gives. That's a cool thought. Because in line 8, I just want to, us to understand, Jesus' love is different from the world's love. That's why we have to learn it. However you thought of love in the world, whatever you thought was worldly love, Jesus has a different view. Some of the expectations might be similar, but some of them are different. There's not one person I have met, including myself, who knows how to completely love like Jesus by nature. And that should give us peace. Let's go to chapter 15, verse 1. We're talking about loving one another. And I just want us to understand we love by following the scriptures. That we love in a way that's different from the world. Is that clear? In John 15, verse 1. It says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. And so one thing that we want to just hold on to here, line 9, bearing fruit, that's the word that's missing, bearing fruit means loving like Jesus. 
And it says this, if you don't bear fruit, you're cut off and thrown away into the fire. You can lose your salvation. But you go, how do I do that? When you stop loving like Jesus. And it says this, God prunes us so that we could be more loving. Now, if you look at bearing fruit, meaning baptizing someone and keeping them faithful, then what that means is you could work hard, help someone become a Christian, work to keep them faithful, and then God says, let me make life harder for you now. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Like, why would God do that? But if you think bearing fruit means loving like Jesus, our hardships can make us love better. I mean, that's, what, that's really one of the only things that can come out of our hardships that is good, is just learning to love better. And we've got to ask ourselves and ask others when we're studying the Bible, has your hardship taught you to love better and love more? What has your hardship taught you? In, our, in this room right now, God is having us go through something. But what's that something, Dave? I don't know. Tell me what. Do you know what I'm going through? I don't know. I haven't talked to all of you. But he's having you go through it. And you know what I'll tell you? What you're going through is not easy. And I'll tell you, what you're going through is hurtful and sad and hard. And you feel like no one else knows or understands. But God says, hey, these moments in your life can make you be someone who understands. Can make you be someone who loves someone and is kind to them and works through, uh, works through the pain with them. Let's go on in verse 3. It says, You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. You know, you cannot love like Jesus without staying connected to him. And it says, remain in me, because in line 10, it takes faith to love like Jesus. I'm telling you this. We can all be kind by our own strength. We can all be gentle by our own strength. We can be self-controlled by our own strength. We can be forbearing by our own strength. We, many of us can be joyful by our own strength. There are some of us here who are just happy people. Some of us here who aren't. Some of us here who are. I'm not. Just so you know, I don't wake up with a smile. I don't spontaneously sing. And birds do not do my chores. Now, my wife, on the other hand, my son, singing all the time. Happy people. My daughter and I, we get it. We know the truth about life. Anyways. There are a lot of times we could do that by our own power, but to love like Jesus, oh my gosh, you got to plug in. You have to plug in. You cannot be cut off. There is no way you can love like Jesus without being connected to him. Amen. And so Jesus said, you got to remain in me. And trust me, I'm putting you in a position where you're going to feel the need. 
So it takes faith to love like Jesus. You know, in verse uh, chapter uh, 15, let's go on in verse 5. Come on, Dave. Says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear uh, much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples. You see, there's a parallel. We looked at John 13, 34 and 35. It says, hey, if you love one another, that's a sign. Once again, if you bear fruit, that shows yourself to be a disciple of Jesus. Jesus isn't adding an extra command. Literally, bearing fruit means loving like Jesus. If you love one another, that shows you to be my disciple. If you love like me, that shows you to be my disciple. But here's the rub in line 11. Real disciples must love many. We bear much fruit. You got to love a lot of people? Yes, you do. Matthew chapter 5 says, guess what? Pagans can love the people who like them. There is no righteousness in loving people who love you back. Did you know this was the notion that helped me become a Christian? I, you you got to know who I was growing up. I was kind of like this, like, do-good kid. Like, I didn't sin a whole lot. I, you know, I was too afraid of being caught. You know, I, was, I lived my life just afraid of being caught, right? So I didn't do anything that bad. And then I just believed I have to do good in this world. So I did community service on my own. Even though I didn't go to church or anything, I felt like we had to do community service. You got to help the poor. I stood up for equal rights. I stood, all this stuff. I was like a, I didn't get into Stanford based on my academics. Did you know that? You know, you look at the Asian thing, you go, oh, must have been good at math. No, bad at math. <laughs> but I did all this community service. And then when I started studying the Bible, I realized I do things to just get something back. And if I don't get something back, I stop. And I go to where I'm going to get the recognition, feedback, or if it is part of a plan to get me ahead. And so there's a limit to my love. You, Jesus says you've got to love much. You've got to love many. And so we're just looking. We're, we want to be sharpshooters of love. You know? Are you worthy? Are you worthy? Are you worthy? Oh, you might be worthy. Reel you in. Now I love you. Mm-mm. Many, much, lots. Because the role of fruit is to spread seed. That's what fruit does. And the tree has to drop many pieces of fruit for one to grow into a tree. Verse 9. As the fathers loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. It says, I have told you... Um, Nope, we'll stop there. you got to remain in Jesus' love. Now, here, here's an interesting thought. Remember, many of us live in, in a mentality of treadmill Christianity. So i got to love in order to remain in his love. It's like once you stop loving, boom, you get kicked out of the house. Because it says, remain in my love. Does that make sense? 
If you look in other translations, the literal word is abide. Yeah. And, and abide actually means not to stay, but to obey. Abide in me, obey me. And Jesus really is saying, if you obey my commands, you remain loving like me. That when you obey my commands, it just keeps you in that love zone. That's all you got to understand. Because Jesus' commands are literally there to teach us how to love like him. Read them. Read all his commands. You know, they're not for anything other than this is how you love. This is how you love God. This is love how, how you love your neighbor. This is how you love yourself. That's it. It's not like, hey, this is how you get rich. It's not there. <laughs> you know? It's not, hey, how to fix your car. It's not in Matthew 23. <laughs> so in line 12, we remain or keep loving like Jesus when we obey. That's all that obedience is. It keeps you in that love zone. Verse 11. I've told this, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. You know, it's interesting right here if we kind of continue on. It says this, you know what, I say this to you, not so you could prove yourself to me. Does he say that? He says, I say this to you so that your joy may be what? Complete. Do you want a happy life? How many go, I want a happy life. It's not been feeling so happy. I want a happy life. Jesus says, I say this to you so your joy may be complete. But let me tell you the secret. You've got to lay down your life for your friends. In line 13, joy comes from sacrificially loving like Jesus. Remember, we're not going by the world's view of love. We're not going by our view of love. We have to learn how to sacrificially love like Jesus. And in verse 16, it says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you, may be, you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them the work no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen and yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. You know, I've always stopped at verse 17. And then I realized that actually Jesus continues on all the way to verse 25. And I want us to understand this because sometimes when we think as Christians, if we love people, everything will be great. 
And Jesus doesn't say that. He says, you know what? If you love people, not everything will be great. If you love people, everything will be revealed. In line 14, even if we love like Jesus, we will be persecuted. And that's why Jesus is saying this. Because when you love like Jesus, then it's clear who wants to be with Jesus and who doesn't. If you're rude to people, who knows if they want to be Christians or not? You're rude. Your judgmental, irritable disposition has not made it clear on whether they love the gospel or they maybe hate you. But Jesus says, you know what? Since I've loved and I've taught love and I've given love, it's clear where they're at spiritually. And we will be persecuted. So when you're working with people, as we're talking even amongst ourselves, I want you to understand, is it clear it's hard to love like Jesus? Is it clear that this is not the easy road? That there will be persecution, there will be haters. But lastly, Jesus' teaching on love is our primary standard for love. Now I'm going to end right here. Okay? And we'll cover the rest next time. Sound good? But I just want us to understand that, hey, this is the call. And this is what we're supposed to be doing. But in this area, this is how we need to love one another.